Why can't I make some kind of really cool soundscape that maybe isn't based on the instruments that you hear and have your hands on every day? Why can't we do something like that? This is Champagne is also a band podcast. One songwriter, one song. I'm Sven, your host for a journey into the music of Champaign-Urbana. Recorded in the Blue Box studio with a songwriter from the Champaign-Urbana music scene, past or present. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to be a part of the Champagne Showers podcast network. Champagne is also a band podcast. Today, I have Sarah Durbin. You may know Sarah from a band called Joe's Corner, which was back in 2018. And she's also a member of the Lyric Theater at the University of Illinois at Urbana-Champaign. So, Sarah, welcome to the show. Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Today, we're going to be listening to your song, Live Wire, which was released as a single. Mm -hmm. And so... Without further ado, let's listen to the song. Time is a relentless thing I met you in the trenches under siege And we've been running our whole lives But it feels like we step out And there's no pain in photographs Cause what's the point of looking back If it's not to laugh And we learn how we're supposed to smile When we're in the time of our lives There's a
Welcome back. So, Sarah, my first and favorite question to always ask is, what came first? Was it the lyrics or was it the music? So, that's actually kind of a fun story. So, the inspiration for the song was the lyric. I was in the car with my boyfriend at the time, and we were driving. It was on winter break. It was January 6th, the day of the riots and everything. It felt very heavy. And I was sitting there realizing, one, how quickly my college experience had gone by at this point that I was only three semesters away from finishing college and that my life was about to completely change, that the world is crazy and nothing is permanent. And I looked at my boyfriend at the time, and I don't remember which one of us said it, but it's like time is going by really, really fast. It's it's a pretty relentless thing. And we both looked at each other because we both write songs. And I was like, dibs, dibs, mine, mine, my lyric, mine. <laughs> and so I dropped him off and then I drove back home and I immediately started writing the song. So I started with that time is a relentless thing. I pulled out my guitar, played a couple chords, and the rest of the song happened simultaneously. I was mm. discovering the chords and the lyrics at the same time. And I think I wrote the song in about half an hour, if that. It just kind of came out of me. It started off with the line of time is a relentless thing. And of course, I met you in the trenches under siege. So that does harken back to the January 6th insurrection. And that's interesting. Like, I didn't even think about that before. But yeah. It's oh. crazy. It was not perfect. Um, well, that's funny. When you said that, I, I was just like, oh, so that's what the line... Because I was so going to ask about the line of under siege no, in the trench. I just... But, it was about my relationship at the time because it, it was... You know, I met him at a time in high school when I was really struggling and I felt like the world was against me. But that's really funny that... That's crazy. Didn't think about it that way. Well, you know, that's the nice thing about having people uh, <laughs> analyze and, and tear your music apart and try to tell you about it. When you wrote it, did it go from point A to point B? Or did you do the verses kind of all at once? Or did you do verse, chorus, and then you said, oh, I'll just add another second verse? Yeah, I mean, it kind of came out in the exact order that you hear it now. The only thing that changed was when I wrote it and then listened to it back, I changed the order of the second verse. So I wrote the first verse, oh. I wrote the chorus, wrote the second verse, but I started it with whatever is, I found the note left on your desk, I think. 
what everyone is yeah is the oh yeah is the is kind of the second half yeah. of that first verse the second or half second was verse. first and the second half the first half they were reversed and i yeah. put them the other way after listening to it because it made huh. more sense to me but the rest of it just came out exactly as it was which is rare well <laughs> that it, never it, happens it's, to me <laughs> it, that was an interesting choice to make that swap because i feel like your entrance line to each of the verses is you talk about time being this relentless thing where it's just this very huge thing mm-hmm. and then the verse two is where it's a very personal like singular thing to you and i don't know if that's you know maybe that was the thing that made you think about you know swapping those mm-hmm. of course the i found the note left on your desk but that includes another circle of a person so right. it's like is the i found the note left on your desk is that in reference to an actual event yeah. or did okay yeah it was so this song was interesting because it is definitely a self-reflective song but it also in that self-reflection i was exploring a lot of aspects of the relationship that i was in at the time so that summer before i wrote the song my boyfriend and i had had this huge fight that just i thought it was going to end the relationship but it didn't and after the fact i found a note on his desk it literally had a heart on the front it was folded up and it had a heart drawn on it the narcissist that i am i was like oh this must be for me i opened it and it had an outline of all the things that he had said that night so he had planned it out before we talked and had this conversation that he knew was coming and i was completely shocked in awe i had no idea it made me feel awful because i didn't realize how much thought he had put into this conversation and it I completely ripped him apart after he said all those things and I felt so bad about it. And so that thing really stuck with me. So when I was writing the song, I was kind of reflecting on myself and on the relationship as a whole. And that moment has always stood out to me as just he was putting in more effort and more thought into things than I maybe thought he was all the time. And it was an interesting thing in contrast with the rest of the song because like i say i have a live wire in my brain there's no more words but i still have so much to say it's like there's always something going on in my brain but there are things in the world that are happening outside of me you know that i don't always see happening and then it takes me back and i'm like oh crap (laughs) this is a lot i'm wondering are you the type that your thoughts are very forward Mm -hmm. so like they're always there on the tip of your tongue and then your partner at the time it sounds like they they like to plan what they say yeah yeah yeah. i'm always ready i i've done a lot of work myself with understanding what i'm feeling this comes with being an actor and you know i'm in the lyric theater program so you know i'm understanding what words mean i understand my emotions very well if i feel something i usually can pinpoint it really quick what triggered it and why i'm feeling that way Mm. because of the acting work that i've done and because of the songwriting work that i've done but he had never had to do that before so he really struggled to communicate his emotions and his feelings and you know, if something bothered him, why did it bother him? How can I change it? So things kind of happened that way a lot where I would tell him exactly what I was feeling and it was very overwhelming to him. So I'm generally pretty forward thinking. <laughs> gotcha. Let's talk a little bit about the music and where mm-hmm. that came from. Do you usually use a keyboard or do you use a guitar or yeah. what, what's your primary instrument? I mean, other than your voice. Right. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's changed over the years. I used to be piano, but this it started to be guitar just because I think it gives me a really interesting way to play with it. It'll give me the harmonic bass. But when I'm writing on the piano, I generally tend to feel more like I can create some kind of a melody or hook with the piano that's not in the vocal. I have a song out called Killing Ghosts. And the first thing that came out of that song was the piano melody that you can hear throughout mm-hmm. the whole song. 
And that happens a lot when I write on the piano, but when I write with the guitar and I want it to be a little bit more open for the arrangement process when I go into the studio and record it, I generally like to write on the guitar because it huh. just gives me the harmony and some rhythm. And then I can kind of create over it something that's a little bit more ambiguous, huh. I guess. It's interesting that you say that the guitar was the primary instrument for writing since it doesn't appear that, or it doesn't sound like, the guitar actually enters until like the second grouping yeah. of the verse one and there's no pain in photographs is when the guitar sounds like it enters. The way I think about keeping the arrangement open is usually like a piano would be the way to do that. But it started off with guitar and chords. How did that get integrated with the words that you were working on? To me, it was really more about the chord progression that I was finding. In this song, there are a couple chords that your ear doesn't maybe naturally go to that I picked specifically for that reason. Mm. Because when it's all put together, it gives you this kind of wash. It's kind of a warmer wash. It kind of makes you feel a certain way overall. But in those very specific moments, if you take them out of context, you wouldn't think that the chord was going to go there. Mm. And it makes you a little bit uncomfortable, just a little bit. Not enough that it takes you out of the song, but enough that it draws your attention back in. And that was something that I wanted to be very specific about when I was writing it because I knew that this song was something that it was uncomfortable for me to write and for me to reveal. And I wanted the listeners to feel like that kind of experience as well. What combination of chords were you thinking about that would bring a person uh, kind of snap back it to attention? Right. So there's a moment in the chorus, and I'm not going to say this in the right key. So I wrote it in one key and then we changed the key later, but... Um, initially, I was my root was in E, and I was kind of flopping between an E and an A, and then I went to like E to A back to E to something else. But yeah. that C sharp minor was really specifically there to yeah. draw your attention, say, "Oh, we're, we're something's different, something different's happening." Yeah, and that's the only minor chord in there. This didn't start in. E major? No, oh, this it actually did start in E major. The chords that I sent you are the original chords, but we changed it to C. Uh, we eventually dropped the, the key because this is something that I do all the time. I write higher because of the lyric theater and the uh -huh. musical theater yeah, studies yeah. that I do. Musical theater music sits a lot higher because it's meant to be performed live. So you're not sitting this close to a microphone, right? right? You're supposed to project and higher sounds project better generally over a giant audience hopefully you're singing for a giant audience uh -huh. um, <laughs> um but i like to write higher because it's where it's comfortable for me it's where i feel like i can get the most sound and the most ping out of it but when i get into the studio i actually got this tip from an artist called candy carpenter she's amazing she's based in nashville she and alden Witt. seriously go look them up there insane she was like why is it so high i was like I don't know. I like it. And she's like, okay, we're going to try to like listen to the recording that you have it. Cause we had a recording of it at the time. That is not what you hear today. It mm -hmm. was very different. It was in the different key. It was differently orchestrated. And she said, if you take it all down, you have the option to kind of give it a bigger punch. Then you can play with things up higher. You have more room for harmonies. You have more room for this, more room for that. And your voice is just going to sound better on the microphone. And so I dropped it. And now every single song that I've written since then, I've written up and then dropped it down, like at uh, least a whole step, if not two. <laughs> well, and then it's interesting because in the bridge, you drop it down another whole step. Right. So now it's in B flat. Yeah. When you make the transition to going from where you wrote it to the new key mm -hmm. how did the arrangement 
go from a guitar only to mm-hmm. this whole fleshed out piece. Yeah, so it's actually so fun to do. So I work with Ryan Groff, who's another local musician. I get to work with him four hours a week, which is amazing. When I brought him this song, he was like, this song is like incredible. He had no notes. He was like, this is great. We need to start right now. And it started with me and the guitar. It was me and the guitar. We had like two other guitar tracks. We had a gazillion vocals. And that was what I thought the song was going to be. But there was something that wasn't sitting right with me. Something was missing. And I didn't know what it was. And then over the summer, I had, like I said, I got the opportunity to go to Nashville. I got to work with Candy and Alden. And they completely changed my perspective on what a song should be. Because I was kind of living in this comfort zone of what I knew, what I understood. I was listening to a lot of Brandy Carlisle, a lot of Dodie, and all of these kind of musicians that keep it relatively standard with the instrumentation in their songs. So I was doing just guitar, just some bass, some vocals, you know, doing those kind of things. And then Folklore and Evermore came out, Taylor Swift. Yeah, yeah. And I was listening to Evermore every single day of my life. <laughs> and I came back from Nashville and I said, well, I, why can't I do that? Why can't I make some kind of really cool soundscape that maybe isn't based on the instruments that you hear and have your hands on every day? Why can't we do something like that? And I played the songs Gold Rush, but also Mirrorball and Ivy, some of the songs off Evermore but Taylor Swift. And I was just listening to the way that she and Jack Antonoff orchestrated it, and I was in awe i was listening to these things every single day picking them apart brought it to ryan and said we need to do something like this because this is what my song feels like to me at its core this is what it feels like it should sound like and we kind of took some of those elements and kept some of the original elements from the song dropped the key down the guitar that you hear that used to be playing through the whole song and then as we started adding these synths and these harmonies and like there is a hum that is a drone throughout the entire thing we kind of edited that so it didn't really sound like a hum anymore and it sounded like feedback, like it could potentially mm. be this live wire, this hum in the background the whole time. So that was our harmonic bass and then we just kind of built from there and added elements and took them away and just played with what came in where until it is what it is now. At about this point, I, I like to point out kind of what my favorite part of the song is. I think this lands on the, the lyric part because earlier we had talked about forward brain and kind of the the other the back brain kind of the I'm uncomfortable with silence I'm afraid you'll hear my mind it's never quiet and things weigh so heavy on me even when it comes on gradually I I guess I was thinking more and more about how you have a very forward mind it it's very hard to to not have your um, how do I say this? Like, I, I, if the way that I wanted to say it, I was like, that's going to come off as rude. But it's, I was going to say like... It's hard it's to make hard it to shut keep, up. Yeah. How yeah. to make you, you yourself not... Do you have a lot of people that say like, do, is there anything that you think that you don't say or... No. Okay. I, okay. I haven't. Well, oh. I'm lucky that I don't because I'm a lot, around a lot of actors and oh. we're mostly <laughs> that way. <laughs> so most of my friends are that way. And I don't say everything that I think all the time, but there's always something going on. Got it. You know, yeah, I've gotten better with the filter. You know, when I was younger, that filter was not so much present. <laughs> there is a filter right. now. Um, but yeah, there's always something going on. There's always, 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 always something in the brain. That's my favorite line in there. I don't know. It just, I think everybody to a certain extent is given the right context. Even if you're an introvert, you're uncomfortable with silence because it's like, what are people thinking that 
they're not telling me like right. what is what is going on are you just I don't know that that spoke to me so I'm, I, I'm curious what your favorite part in this song is I really like that line too I always come back to the chorus that there's a live wire in my brain and there's no more words but there's still so much to say because especially when I wrote the song I felt like I was running in circles just all the time same problems over and over in all aspects of my life and you know that just saying like there's a live wire in my brain there's always a stressor there's always something that's happening behind the scenes that i feel like i've gotten pretty good at masking for most of the people in my life you know not everybody gets to see that part and so getting to say that in a song like i have has been one very therapeutic but also i think you know, part of the reason that I write songs is to share what I'm feeling so that people can relate. Like, you just did with that, that lyric. But I get to say that, like, there is always something happening in my brain. You might not know it's there, but it is. I'm always on. It's always happening. I can't turn it off. To the people that I love, the people that I care about, and I know that my close family, when they heard the song the first time, my dad, too, was like, I get it now. He literally has referenced it a couple times. He's like, I know that you must be feeling really stressed. If I bring him a problem, he's like, I know like it's the, the live wire is in your brain. I, I understand. And just that fact that I wrote that lyric and that it has helped the people around me understand that. Oh my God. <laughs> it feels so good. Cool. You know, and to know that other people get it. Like yeah. I've had people be like, I get that. I know what that feels like to have no more words but you have so much just i know what that feels like it's so so good and on so many levels I just yeah well it sounds like you just about answered my final question which <laughs> is the like why did you pick this song as as the one to talk about yeah that so. the those reasons i mean i i wrote the song back in the beginning of 2021 so i've had a lot of time to sit with it and to really analyze it because when i'm writing a song i don't really always understand what it's about until i go back right mm -hmm. because a lot of the time my songwriting is coming from a place that even i don't really want to look at in my brain <laughs> you know there's these words are coming out of me and i don't always understand what they mean until i go back because it's been out for a minute now it came out back in february because it's had time to have a life outside of my control over it i've gotten to take a step back out of the composer out of the writer place and just listen to it and let it resonate with me in all the ways that it does and i love that part <laughs> it's so fun um that's really why i wanted to talk about it even in the midst of the current coronavirus pandemic the Jubilee Cafe is continuing to serve packaged, home-cooked meals free to all every Monday evening, 5 to 6.30 p.m. Meals are available for pickup outside the 6th Street door to the Community United Church of Christ in Champaign, Illinois, 805 South 6th Street. Jubilee Cafe's mission remains the same. Feed hungry people by cooking healthy and delicious meals. We are open to anyone who cares to receive a meal. For information on the meal or how to volunteer, go to the Jubilee Cafe CUCC Facebook page or email us at jubilee.cafe 
at community-ucc.org. Welcome back. Yeah. Sarah, do you have a favorite Champaign-Urbana venue? Okay, so I haven't gotten the chance to play at too many venues because I'm a lyric theater student. I'm literally in rehearsal almost every day from 6 to 10 p.m. So I haven't gotten the chance to play a lot. But I did get to play at Poor Bros recently with Mike Ingram. He was doing a show and he just invited people to come and play. So I got to play a song that was so fun. I love doing it and I want to do it again. And I actually also got to play at Avionics, the coffee oh, nice. shop, about a billion years ago when I was a freshman in, high, in college with Ryan, with Ryan Goff. Cool. That was such a fun little thing. It was just... A little acoustic show that I had a really great time with. How long have you been in town? So I moved here for college back in 2018. Eight, yeah, 2018. When I started my freshman year of school. My dad went to school here. He has friends here. And so we've been coming out here for a million gazillion years. Feels like, you know, we would literally take road trips down here to get Papa Dolls pizza. Because oh. my dad is just hooked. So... Yeah, I came down here in 2018 to start my degree, and I've been here ever since. I'm going to be here this summer, and then we'll see what happens after that. So, I'm curious, uh, what got you into opera or singing, or, or was mm-hmm. there was there a moment when you discovered that you wanted to yeah. sing? Yes. Well, the moment that I discovered I wanted to sing, I've literally been singing since I could speak. My mom has a recording of me singing Part of Your World when I was like three, very small. <laughs> Very small child. <laughs> or I wanted to be Ariel. And since then, I've been like, I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a singer. And so she stuck me in piano lessons in third grade. And my music teacher and my piano teacher at the time, who is now dear, dear friend, like a second dad to me, he was like, you need to get this child in voice lessons, like ASAP. And so she did. And I met my incredible voice teacher then. And I was in fourth grade, maybe. Did voice lessons for a couple years before... I decided I wanted to play the guitar and I wanted to be in musicals because I saw my piano teacher's kids in a show and I was like, I gotta, I gotta do that. I have, uh-huh. I have to be up there. I have to be doing that. And so I was immediately no longer playing sports because dear God, that didn't help anyone up on stage doing shows. And then my mom has told me now, I didn't understand this at the time, but since then she's been like, yeah, I stuck you in Rock Academy, which was very similar to School of Rock. They put kids together in bands Mm -hmm. and they, you know, did the thing. She said, I put you in Rock Academy because I was realizing how little control you have over casting in musical theater. Mm -hmm. I got a huge role the first show that I was ever in. And then after that, I didn't get a couple roles and I was devastated. And she was like, yeah, we needed to put you in something that you had more control over. So she stuck me in Rock Academy. I was playing in rock bands starting in seventh grade. And I realized how much freaking fun that was because <laughs> I just got to do whatever I wanted, basically, on stage. Right. I was a little seventh grader playing a hot pink guitar in a girl band. And it was awesome. I was having so much fun. I was singing Zeppelin by freshman year of high school and just like having the time of my life doing that and doing theater on the side and it just built my confidence to the moon and since then there just literally has been no other option i just knew that this was going to be what it was and then i eventually picked lyric theater as the major because i felt like i needed the degree in musical theater and opera to do that and i didn't really need the degree to do the other stuff i got to work with ryan every week and Mm. that was my education there so i was filling in the gaps so what's your favorite composer to sing so hard so okay 
right now. So I always have loved singing Jason Robert Brown when it comes to contemporary musical theater. Mm. Just amazing. I got to be in Songs for New World back in 2019 out at Allerton Barn, which was an amazing experience. Janine Tesori as well. I was in Fun Home. So the music that she writes is insane. It's very, very challenging, but it's incredible. It moves you like no other. But if we're going back to like Golden Age, give me some Bernstein, love me some Sondheim, completely Mm. depends. Gotcha. (laughs) Yeah. I like to ask a question just because we've gone through the pandemic and because we faced the fact that we missed having a live interaction Mm. and being able to perform. And so there's, there's this very strong sense that we build this community based upon being able to be together and experience music together. So I like to think about what makes a good music scene Mm. or even just a music community, however you'd like to frame that. And I'm sure that within the Lyric Theater that there's also a certain sense of community in that itself. So I guess from more of a general viewpoint, what makes a good music community? That's a really good question. I think there's a lot of things that go into it, but I think the thing that has has to has to be there is the love for music and each other. The understanding that this isn't an easy thing to do and that we all go through similar challenges and that we're going to be there for each other and we're going to support each other in that every single day is, I think, what has to be there at its core. And then expanding out from that, it's just other people that love music and that think it's the coolest thing ever. And that relate to it and that want to hear things that move them and that challenge them and want to explore that and widen their horizons, I think, is the next thing. You know, Mm. you have to have that basis of understanding and community and wanting to be there for each other. And then outside of that, it's just the passion for it as a whole. I think that that just has to be there. In your experience, what could we do better? What do you think would, would, I mean, and when I say we, I mean, right. the Champagne Urbana music scene, perhaps mm-hmm. even the Lyric Opera. I mean, without calling anybody, you know, right, what I mean? right, right. <laughs> yeah, but. yeah. I don't know. That's also a really tough question. I think it would be working on the understanding part of it and working on the idea that there is room for everyone. That's not necessarily across the board, but you know, I think that there's always room for that to to remember that this is not a competition, that we're all in it together. And that we all go through the same things yeah. and just having a little bit more compassion with each other, especially yeah. right now. Very cool. Yeah. yeah. What's your next big performance? I'm going to be working here this summer. I'm going to be the one of the directors for ISYM, the Illinois Summer Music yeah. Program, which is very, very exciting. I'm super, super thrilled to be doing that. And hopefully I'll be playing around the area just in the meantime. I've got three new songs, almost five, almost oh. five. Or like on the cusp of a couple more songs that are going to be coming out pretty soon. And so just a crap load of promotion for those and hopefully playing some open mic nights, some shows and just doing the stuff. Champagne is also a band podcast is proud to support Exile on Main Street. Exile on Main Street, located in the old train station building at 100 North Chestnut Street in downtown Champaign, has been helping to build record collections since 2004, carrying a wide array of new and used LPs, CDs, and video games. Exile on Main Street has something for just about any music enthusiast and old school gaming devotee. 
Exile also hosts regular free live music shows on its stage, so be sure to check out their Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages for the up-to-date details on the next upcoming event. Open seven days a week. They can be reached by phone at 217-398-MAIN. That's 217-398-6246. Welcome back. So, Sarah, what is your favorite non-musical thing or things? It's a really tough one. Um, I would say probably... My roommate and I throw movie nights every couple weeks. We have all of our friends. It's a wide array of people, but we always find a movie that we like. And usually it's Star Wars or something, the likes of which. But I think last time it was Lion King one and a half. (laughs) Yes, one and a half. Timon and Pumbaa tell the story behind the scenes of what happened to them. It's hilarious. The soundtrack is incredible lion king one and a half half. how did i not know that that, well it well i think it was like straight to dvd like didn't come out in the uh, theaters but like nathan lane is still on it as timon and all of those people are still in it it's such a fun little movie but yeah we have movie nights that we watch movies like that we did nomeo and juliet one time like star wars so what's the general criteria what gets what gets chosen it's just kind of whatever we're feeling oh we watched what West Side Story. It's just a variety, you know? One time when we watched West Side Story, it was because we realized I hadn't watched it and a couple other people hadn't watched a new one. So we're like, all right, well, let's watch that one. That feels like a West Side Story kind of night. The newer one? Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, And like the uh, the Oscar nominations had just been released. So we were like thinking about those movies. So we we're like, oh, you know, let's watch West Side Story. But then Star Wars, was, somebody just came in and was like, I want to watch Star Wars. We're like, all right, okay, we, we can watch Star Wars. Um, and then Lion King one and a half was fully me, fully my choice. I said, I don't care what any of you say. We were watching Lion King one and a half tonight. Excellent. And then we were joking around and watched Nomeo and Juliet right after that. Cause why wouldn't we? Cause most of the people that we invite to these movie nights are our friends who are in the Lyric Theater program or adjacent to, so, you know, they're actors, they're musicians, and it's always fun to watch movies where you can pick out everybody's mistakes and be like, Hmm, I didn't like that. They did that. Why would they do that? And talk yeah. about things like that. Yeah, we're very, very critical, <laughs> very critical course, human beings. It, it's acting and music. <laughs> yeah, yes. exactly. Yeah. Excellent. Well, Sarah, thank you for coming all the way out here thank to the studio. Thank you for having me. And talking about your song, Live Wire. I just really appreciate you being on the show. Well, thank you for having me. It was such a fun time. listening to champagne is also a band podcast this is sarah durbin reminding you great music is out there go find it where you live
that's a wrap. Champagne is also a band. You almost have an NPR voice. It's so good. Studio on the inside. And since then, I've been like, I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a singer. I'm going to be a singer.